Welcome to Blacksiders, the no-holds-barred discussion on news and current affairs that we feel like talking about. I'm Peter McGillivray. And I'm Gemma McKinnon. And I guess the first place that we should start, Gem, is to introduce ourselves, really. I cannot believe they've given us a radio show. 30 minutes. <laughs> it's, I can, you can't hold a flame to how much I can talk, so let's see how that goes. Are you going to take up the whole 30 minutes? or? I mean, I could... But I right. won't. Let's, let's start with a couple. You Do you want to start? Is this like a Tinder date where we have yes. to... I haven't been on one of those for a while. Can you please share with me your um, hobbies and interests? What do you What do you do with yourself? How do you How do you earn a crust? Somebody once said that to me. So I earn a dollar at UNSW. I have actually a pretty incredible... Um, work life, if I can say that. I am a researcher and community development practitioner um, with UNSW in a community-based collaboration with the Dharawar Elders Group in far west New South Wales in Walgett. Can we do a shout out to the Walgett mob? Yeah. Hey, hey Walgett. Hey, Walgett. Um, and it's really special work. Um, a lawyer by background, a uh, criminal lawyer, worked in the kids' court for a long time at Parramatta Children's Court in the Youth Quarry Court. I'm really passionate about children and young people and addressing children and young people's legal issues to address social disadvantage that can really impact young lives for a long time. Often sees kids end up as adults in the adult criminal legal system. So I actually get to be involved in building some of the solutions that are based in and led by a community and by Aboriginal community-controlled organisations in particular. So it's a really special job. I love it. I've been doing it since 2018, which is when I left Legal Aid New South Wales, where I was working as a lawyer. And uh, yeah, I'm also doing a PhD, get, trying to get so that just done. keeping it light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure or anything. Just a few things at a time. That's good. That's good. How about you, Jem? Um, what do I do with my life? Uh, by day, I am a responsible business manager. So, you know, I'm a very responsible person. Uh, focusing on the reconciliation efforts of corporate Australia. Uh, lawyer by trade also. And like to dabble in other fun activities that sounds that sounds inappropriate um but am also mother of five and uh spend a lot of time yelling at kids <laughs> five of them and how yep. many chickens um well we started out with seven and we're down to five <laughs> there'll be plenty of chicken talk I think. Excellent. Um, also, Barkindji woman from Wilcannia and Far West in New South Wales. Hello, everybody in Wilcannia. And can I give a shout out to um, all my mob that are probably listening on the internet. I'm a Kalkatongu and South Sea Islander woman born on Durrumbul country in central Queensland. Um, but shout out to all the Kalkadoon mob in northwest Queensland around Mount Isa and Cloncurry. Um, but yeah, we've got, we've got multitudes, Gem. So much. <laughs> so much to talk about. So, Blacksiders, we, this is something that we 
got really excited about this year. It's been a big year, 2023. We're going to do our own little review of sorts, but this year really was the push for you and I to share our thoughts and feelings and ideas and perspectives and analysis of all of the things that we're engaged in in our work and lives and community. Um, And the, I suppose, key perspectives that we bring with all of those those hats. It's been full on, to say the least, and really accumulated for us in a road trip through far western New South Wales, which really cemented the idea that more people need to hear what we have to say, because we're super interesting. We're super interesting and really smart. There's not a lot of smart people out there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean well, that. You know, I, we 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 say that about ourselves a bit tongue in cheek because um, of the marketplace of voices who feel really comfortable speaking about us on our issues. Um, I'm talking about non-Aboriginal people, non-Torres Strait Islander people who do take up a lot of space on the airwaves in mainstream media, um, talking about us. As if we're not even listening, as if we are not consuming their words and what they say. And quite comfortably, mind you, the amount of therapy that I had to do to get myself behind the microphone and justify my existence here has been crazy. But I completely agree that what we're trying to do is to create an active space for First Nations people in media in a way that doesn't just involve us um, coming in as a token black fella explaining some issue yeah. to everybody. But we're here to analyse, we're here to provide commentary and explore the world of First Nations people in a real way, I think it's fair to say, that it's not necessarily the Indigenous issues that you see on other other media outlets, but Indigenous issues as experienced by Indigenous people. Absolutely. And so that's going to require our listeners to do a bit of work on their own part. Um, we'll, you know, be able to share and provide some insights that helps bring you along in the conversation with us. But the activeness that you're talking about is, you know, go and have a Google of some of these ideas and people that we speak about and draw upon to, you know, build up our our analysis of the key issues. This um, is you'll not, be better for it. This is not Koori 101. It's not. It's not Indigenous Australia 101. Um, Indigenous Studies students I'm sorry, but you it's not necessary to take notes. You yeah. won't be giving away your uh, <laughs> test answers. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. So, Jem, we have a regular 30 minutes that we're going to be be uh, with our with our listeners. What can our listeners expect from us in terms of you know what we want to be talking about? How, what, how we're going to talk. What we're going to talk about is news and current affairs, but from our perspective. I think we're going to talk a lot about what is happening in the world, particularly what's happening in the country. And 
uh, look at those issues from the perspective of First Nations people and, and particularly of people that care a lot about justice and rights in this space. But we're also going to talk about what is happening in our much smaller world, uh, that is, you know, what's happening on our socials, what's happening in our work and professional circles, and try to uh, provide a bit of a explainer um, about some issues that you may not have heard about before or that you may not be aware of that we think you need to know. Yeah, and we're going to do it with a lot of laughs and we're going to do it with a lot of laughs and getting to know ourselves and you and I together. And some special guests from time to time. Yeah, special guests. I mean, we've been mates for, how, 20 years now? Yeah. 20 years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we went to law school together. We've got a rapport. We've got a rapport. We've- We've got a rapport. So we want to be able to we we want to bring that um, to Blacksiders and and make it a really fun 30 minutes talking about really important issues um, with our unique perspectives. And I think the I mean the diversity just between you and I in our lives. Um, you mentioned your five incredible children aged eighteen to eighteen today. Eighteen today. Yeah. To two, I remember, you know, one of my favourite yarns is you and I handing in our um, contracts to assignments and Noah holding your hand, a little four-year-old, as he went and put your assignment into the assignment box to where we are today. Me, a child-free, supreme auntie, <laughs> <laughs> um, which I'm very happy and um, to, you know, be that person in my nieces and nephews lives as someone who is taking a different path in adulthood um, and how that kind of changes my perspective on things and brings a different lens to some of the things that we're talking about. Um, So yeah, I think that that's going to be something important that we do in Blacksiders. So 2023... (sighs) there's been we've already started to see some of the 2023 in review (laughs) the the listicles if you like with different summaries of things that have gone down was it we had the i mean there's there's royal news there's the referendum i love going through the um (laughs) i don't love it but i love it going through those remember who died this year and you always forget yeah. you always forget about the people that died um Tina Turner that's one of my secret I don't know what do, what do, what do you call it secret fetishes <laughs> <laughs> sure <laughs> sure guilty um, pleasures guilty pleasures I think is a okay. much <laughs> more appropriate um term to use Go on. Sorry, I jumped the gun a bit. Um, Tina Turner was devastating. Lost this year. Um, who else did we have that didn't make it through? Jane Birkin. Who, who's that? From the handbag. Of the Birkin bag. Yeah. Yeah, that was a real downer. <laughs> <laughs> I was super cut up about it. 
Um, oh, there was someone. I mean, there was, there's, there's been a few. I mean, yeah, like the Queen. That was last year. Oh, God. No, the Queen's husband. That was the year before that. Are you serious? Oh, my God. What has happened to 2023? <laughs> Should we talk about the referendum? Let's. Because that kind of took up a significant portion of the year for me uh, and fittingly was the reason for our road trip, therefore the reason for this show. Um, So a bit of background, I was heavily involved in the development, I would say, of the Uluru Statement from the Heart and then after that spent a lot of time trying to get us to referendum day. There's so many yarns to tell in the background to that, but the surely I think they'll come up over time. But this year we we finally had this referendum that a lot of people have been waiting a really long time to happen. What do you think was the what's your what are you, what are your feelings now i guess what are we of two months out from the referendum having spent the entire year educating our mob the broader community about the constitution and what a referendum is and what we're asking for and navigating the racism and ignorance what now in the sort of aftermath of things do you feel is was the significance of the referendum? Great question. I think I keep I've, over the last few days I've been reflecting on your hypothesis on the eve of the referendum, where you said if this thing doesn't get up, if it's an unsuccessful referendum, then there will be a clear message. Well, the way that the um, um, opponents to the reform will characterise it is we now have a mandate from Australia. This was a democratic decision that all Australians participated in that they don't care about this, um, which is, a, you know, a extreme overgeneralisation on, um, by those politicians, but that's what they've done. You've then, and I think we saw that with um, Tony Abbott saying no more flying the Aboriginal flag. I mean, he's not an MP any longer, but he's incredibly influential. He's been appointed to uh, Lachlan Murdoch's Fox board. Um, You know, the, the deep conservatism that was put on display in the referendum result is being pushed by him and his many, many supporters and the many MPs in Parliament who share that sentiment. So I think that's a, a real reality um, that we now have to contend with. I don't know if that's so much a problem that is um, worn entirely by First Nations Australia. I think that there are lots of important stakeholders in um, Definitely the negativeness of that. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think that we've... You know, is it a setback? I think so. I think it is a setback. Just a a slight setback. But I suppose to challenge some of the voices in our community, our peers who are kind of just kind of getting on with it now, as if I think that we've got to do some work in our community to say, hold up, there actually has been quite a lot of damage that we have to contend with now, as opposed to those that are, you know, 
moving on very quickly. Um, it seems that only some of us are actually still asking these questions. I think it's really interesting. The And it may just be because I've been indulging in a bit of... Um, of media distancing, um, just not really paying a lot of attention to what's happening, if I'm being completely honest. But I feel like there's been a, a pretty significant silence post-referendum in terms of people wanting to talk about it, in terms of people wanting to talk about black stuff, Um and also, a, yeah, like a real lack of interest in the analysis of why things turned out the way that they did, what's next. Um, I don't know if it's just because the people involved have gone through such a sort of long process of dedicating their lives to this work um, and uh, taking a sort of well-deserved break or whether it's just that people are a bit out of ideas and don't really know where to go. I don't know. I was expecting a plan B and maybe that's a bit selfish of me. Who knows? But I think that what we're seeing now is a is a bit of a vacuum and also a bit of a downer type end to 2023. I've had so many people signing off their emails saying a kind of good riddance 2023. I don't know if that's something that I necessarily agree with. I've had a pretty good 2023 with the exception of the whole referendum issue Mm. But um, yeah, I feel like a quite quite a palpable uh, negativity. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that there is, um, you know, and I think we'll touch on this in a minute in terms of the conflict that we're seeing in the Middle East. That certainly, it feels like we we lurched from one devastating um, outcome to another state of um, really overwhelming despair. Um, but to your point about the vacuum, I think um, the that Sunday after the referendum result uh, and that entire week of... Um, of silencio. Yes, yeah, silencio. Um, <laughs> you know, I think what was able to emerge in that week was a non-Indigenous narrative or a narrative set by non-Indigenous commentators about what the result meant um, and that there, there was no, and, you've, and I've heard you speak about this before, there was no position taken early which kind of kept people on the hook to hear what the, um, what am I trying to say? There, there was nothing which said to people there is more to come um, Stay tuned. Behind the scenes, I have heard some some yarns about Macarada, um, but that doesn't seem to be making its way outside of um, very, very particular legal and academic circles. Do you want to tell our listeners what you mean by Macarada? Uh, Macarada Commission is something that's called for in the Uluru Statement. Um, 
which is essentially a sort of treaty or agreement-making um, body that is intended to facilitate the agreement-making and I think also the research and the work that goes into um, informing those agreements. I feel like there are some things that are happening, some thoughts that are um, being had, but for some reason they're not being kind of shared publicly. There's no sort of comms position behind it, and I don't know what the reason for that is, but I'm interested to find out and interested to see whether they're whether that silence has come out of a learning experience from the referendum or whether, again, they're con- sort of continuing to maintain this. I'm, I won't go into the elitism. On the, on the, on the, point, of, <laughs> on the point of learning experiences, the evaluations of the campaign and the whole process will start to come, no doubt. Um, but I just remembered um, something that Ken Wyatt, ex-Liberal minister, um, coalition government minister and member of parliament from WA, said last week that he thought that the um, constitutional reform question should have been broken into two, one on recognition, one on the voice. Um, I think it's interesting that people still want to try and relitigate those points when it's over and it's unlikely that we'll go to a referendum again in our lifetime. But just on that, I'm just curious to know, would you, do you think that would have made any difference? I think it would have made a difference to the, the community state, the state of the community right now. And to putting a little bit of a dent in the excitement (laughs) or um, confidence that I think came to conservative Australia post-referendum because I do think that the recognition piece would have gotten up. The thing is, is that it wouldn't, I don't believe that it would have actually made it to a referendum in that form because the people who behind the Uluru Statement and involved in the Uluru Statement was so wedded to the reforms and the sequence in which they were called for that accepting anything less than that would have then triggered a whole issue about, you know, essentially individual people overruling the decision-making and, and, and process that hundreds if not thousands of people throughout the country went through. So I saw a lot of that throughout the campaign, throughout the year, is this real um, Tetris kind of approach that was needed to navigate the Australian public conversation and the First Nations community conversation and often they weren't um, complimentary. So, you know, it's all well and good for people to have a sort of woulda, coulda, shoulda, this is the way, we, you know, we should have done things. But what I want to see more of is, well, what can we learn from this and how, how are we going to approach things differently moving forward? So on that, I'm, I'm interested to, to know... Um because I think that there are the um, the right types of groups and people to be leading the evaluation of what's 
occurred and those who should just probably sit down and, and just wait until First Nations people actually undertake the work to make sense of this all. In your mind, are there who do you think would be best placed and who should we be hearing from um, more about what's happened and the campaign in particular? I think the campaign um, is an interesting area of analysis, but also understanding this history and the calls for reform that, you know, began in recent history. Um, I mean, you would know more than me. When was the first um, constitutional parliamentary committee that was established under the coalition government, was it? With Howard? Yeah, under Howard. Um, And then more sort of Rudd Gillard Rudd. Rudd Gillard Rudd days were quite um, there was a lot of activity there. I, you know, I think a lot of people need to do a lot of uh, soul searching and probably a lot of pride swallowing in order for us to get a really good analysis of what happened and a really good sense of how we might approach things differently because there are so many people with their own um version of what happened, their own experience of what happened um, and of the reasoning behind these, uh, you know, behind people's decisions and, 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 and ultimately the outcome. But what we really need to see is that sort of cross section of what did you think? What was your experience compared to what, what was, what did you think? What was your experience? Without doing that, we're just making a lot of assumptions about why, about people's mindset, about people's decision-making processes. Um, And as we know, that is not a good idea. Mm -hmm. Don't be a mind reader. No. Don't be a mind reader. I mean, I I think that um, there's going to be some interesting pieces that come out over the next year, year and a half, and I'll certainly be reading them. Um, whether I'll, in, you know, recommend anyone else does only the good stuff. Um, but that's what we'll add to the show. Book, yeah. re- book review, article review, yeah, PhD reviews. Yeah. Because there are a lot of books, articles and PhDs in the, in the works. Well, Megan Davis did a really short essay in the summer edition of a very popular essay publication um, which I bought today, so I'll be having a read of that. You can have my copy after I read it. Oh, I'll be reading it intently. Yeah. Okay, well, you're listening to Blacksiders. Um, I'm Peter McGillivray. And I'm Gemma McKinnon. And this is our no-holds-barred discussion of the news and current affairs that we feel like talking about. And we've just been talking about the referendum as we take stock of the big moments of 2023. Um, but this is our first episode, so we're also, you know, sharing a little bit about ourselves. Jem, what was one big thing that's happened for you in 2023 that hasn't involved the gravity of the referendum? Um, a lot of things. No, I lie. I've basically spent all year saving money to buy a house. And I've bought a house and I've moved to the Blue Mountains and now I'm going through the culture shock of moving from inner Western Sydney to um, 
to the to the upper mountains, which today has a, is a top of fourteen degrees in the middle of summer, <laughs> and uh, and and as I've mentioned, involves looking after chickens and uh, a lot of bugs. Can we just have the names of the chickens, please? Because I, I love them. The ones that are still alive. Yeah. After how long? Sorry. <laughs> it was like three weeks. Okay. Um, but did they escape? Um, you don't have to go into no, it. No. Yeah, we won't. We won't <laughs> go into it. I haven't. We haven't necessarily been forthcoming with the children in terms of what it is that that um, that that has transpired. Their names are f- gorgeous. My favorite, uh, Olivia, <laughs> <laughs> Ginger. But I, I don't know the other ones' names. There was Cupcake, <laughs> R- R.I.P. <laughs> um, I don't know. They all have weird names, but they all sound vaguely drag queen like. Yeah. So I've decided that when we buy new ones, I'm going to name because I was like Ginger, Ginger Minge, and then Cheddar Gorgeous. Yeah. And so now from now on, I'm just going to name them after drag queens when we when we buy new ones. So uh, what I'm hearing is that you're a um, a RuPaul household? We are definitely uh, a family that RuPaul's together stays together. Yeah. And it is our Saturday or Sunday morning ritual to sit down and watch RuPaul together as a family. Love it. And just then slay the day away. <laughs> <laughs> well, my big news or big achievement of 2023 was getting my red peas. Amazing. I am a licensed driver. Um, so, I, you know, this is, I had. She does this as soon as I move away. And so now she doesn't need me to drive her around anymore anyway. But now I can drive to the Blue Mountains to visit. I do love it. When somebody lends you a car. I'm going to buy a car. <laughs> I'm buying a car in the new year. 2024. That's my 2024 yep. holiday project. Get a car. Secondhand. But I will have wheels. Here's a question. You've made it 30-some years without requiring a, a driver's license. What compelled you to apply yourself and to actually make it happen? I think it was the travel out to Walgett. I've been going out to visit Walgett and the Darawa Elders Group for the last five years or so, which I've done the first couple of years. I would take a plane or train to Dubbo and then jump on the railway bus from Dubbo to Walgett. Now, if anyone has travelled New South Wales country rail railway buses, you'll understand that, you know, there's a resilience that you develop, um, but it's long and it's hot and it can be precarious in terms of arriving at your destination on time. So that was, and I go out really frequently, so there was that. Um, There's also um, my PhD and needing to drive. I'm going to be doing some work in Western Sydney. Requires a lot of flexibility because I'll be working with young people doing my PhD field work. And so the the idea of, and even though I, I used to travel on the, the Sydney um, rail when I was lawyering with kids, did a lot of uh, client sessions at 
Parramatta McDonald's. Um, you've got to be flexible, but with the PhD work, I knew that I'd have to be really flexible. That'd be so so shame if they were like, Aunt, can you give us a lift over here? And you'd be like, sorry, I can't. I don't have my license. I don't have my license. I mean, there was also the, the hypocrisy of encouraging my clients to, you know, get licensed, <laughs> be able to... You know, you'd be able to get do a lots, job. Yeah, do lots of things. And yeah. they're like, um, you don't have your license. True. But there, so there's a landscape of reasons. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, I think it's a massive achievement. I definitely wouldn't have bothered, particularly when there's... It's never too late. That's the, that's the message. It is. In so many domains of life, it's never too late is what I'd say. So, you know, I'll probably stay on my red professional license for many, many years, but that's okay. <laughs> I've got to this point. Um, so, Jem, we've got a little bit of time left together this afternoon. So I wanted to um, have a yarn with you. And for those of you who are just tuning in, um, I'm Penny McGillivray. And I'm Gemma McKinnon. And this is Blacksiders, where we get to talk about the news and current affairs issues and topics that we want to talk about. And of course, so many of the big news items take on a life of their own through social media. So I think it's, you know, important that we're turning our eyes to the socials and and what we've been seeing this week. It also makes research for the program much easier because you're already there. You're already on the gram. Yeah. I got, I'm on Blue Sky now too. What? Okay. It, what is that? <laughs> Blue Sky is the, the one that um, Jack from Twitter went and was like, oh, I fucked Twitter up. Like, did, did I don't think you're allowed to say I messed Twitter up. <laughs> messed Twitter up. It's gone haywire. It's broken. Let's start again. Let's start afresh. What? Yeah. And it's they, you only get to join the, um, the network via invitation. So I signed up. I've signed up to the waiting list maybe a year ago. Well, how am I only just hearing about this? <laughs> I'll send you a invitation-only social media. Invitation-only Twitter. It's called Blue Sky. Okay, and what am I doing with my Threads then? No, Threads is still um, Threads is still good. I think th- I still spend a lot of time on Threads. You should too. I mean, Blue Sky. There's nothing interesting happening over there yet. It's maybe still- they should not make it invitation-only and just let some plebs in there. To have some normal conversations. Yeah, I mean, uh, let me send you the let me send okay, you the, let's the, the let's code, and then you can see for yourself. I'm still but, really into threads. I think threads are still of high value. Is that on your um, thumbs up for yes. 2023? In 2024, in threads. threads. Out. Twitter, f- now known as X, formerly known as Twitter. FKA Twitter. Yeah, dead, gone. Can I talk about what has been consuming my social media aside from, you know, Gaza and floods and and all of those things? Mm -hmm. What has really become a huge part of my life, particularly with moving, is local community Facebook groups. I went off Facebook for a really long time because... It was lame, and it still is lame. I stand by that. But can I just give a shout out to my ex boyfriend that said that I used Facebook like a boomer? 
<laughs> Shout out to that ex-boyfriend. <laughs> How's it going? Still use Facebook like a boomer. Well, I certainly do now because I am a part, still a part of my uh, 2044 Facebook uh, groups, trying to get rid of a worm farm if anyone wants one. I left it in the backyard of my old rental, um, just said it was there the whole time. But those worms will die eventually. Take that, landlord. <laughs> um, but also have joined several Katoomba Facebook groups. And one thing that people are very upset about is the lack of Christmas decorations on Katoomba Street. And they're very upset that the local council has not put any effort into decorating the suburb. And have... Wait, I have to keep my shit together. And have... Oh, I shouldn't be... They're going to, oh, damn it. I'm sorry, but I just think it's really funny. So I'm just going to say it. They've put together, uh, like, basically are getting a group of gorilla neighbours <laughs> to go and decorate Katoomba Street by themselves, like BYO Tinsel, and you can go. They're encouraging people to get together and go and 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 spruce up the, um, They're like the Chris- main street. Christmas bombing Katoomba. <laughs> Like yarn, yeah, like yarn, good ways, good ways. Yeah, yarn bombing, but with tinsel. Yeah, and I think it's hilarious because I don't know. Call me old, call me a Grinch. I kind of want my local council to be focusing on rates, rubbish, and whatever the third R is. I know it's lame, but like roads, roads, rate, rates, roads, and rubbish. But what do you? What is this? Is is it right? for the locals of insert suburb here that I'm not going to repeat again to be up in arms about the lack of decorations on their main street. I Does Erskineville have decorations on We have street? a Christmas tree. Oh my god, yes. A big one. It's quite nice. Look, I think that if I think that the the citizens of Katoomba are on the right track in terms of taking this into their own hands. But I think it's probably a good opportunity for collaboration. I think the uh, the gorilla aspect of it um, is unnecessary. I mean, if you could do like a fundraiser, because I assume it's a resource it's a resource thing. Right? Well, yeah, I don't know. The the mayor hasn't weighed in on the subject. The other thing that I also discovered on the um, on the Facebook group was that there was, and I don't know where he worked, but there was a Christmas party that occurred on Friday night in Katoomba, and somebody was then filmed. Uh, standing in the middle of, it's like a roundabout with a statuey type thing in the middle, and he climbed up on the statue with a set of bagpipes and was playing the bagpipes in the middle of the roundabout in Katoomba, and the cops came, and so there's this video footage of him doing this surrounded by police vehicles, and... I, firstly, I want to say I thought that the like rowdy Christmas party had died post COVID, uh, and I'm really keen, like happy that it's still going ahead. But also, I really like this use of police resources um, on a Friday night 
two major highlights from Katoomba uh, locals. There's also one called We Need to Talk About Katoomba, <laughs> which I think is just a, more of a complaints board, but yeah. I'll, I'm going to keep an eye on it. I will report back in future uh, Please shows. do. I mean, those neighbourhood Facebook groups are always a hoot when you read them for the coded racism, the coded, you know... Um, classism. I mean, when your your old neighbourhood Facebook group from your inner west one was just the some absolute best. doozies. My favourite was when um, somebody had posted, oh, just keep an eye out for someone on so-and-so street in a black hoodie um, looking suspicious. And then the next person put in a note saying, oh, that was just me walking, walking to pick up my kid. <laughs> they were in active wear. <sighs> don't be suspicious. And don't be suspicious. <laughs> always, it was like, does anybody have any security cameras at the front? And there's always somebody that's like, yep, I've got 50 security cameras out the front. I saw that man going through your garbage. Who cares if somebody's going through? It was, it was, it's really not like nice to feel like you're a part of a community that's going to like watch out for you. But then the flip side of that is like, you're under surveillance. Just, re- just relax. <laughs> Just relax, Cheryl. It's fine. Chill. Um, Thank you, Gemma. I feel like we have traversed some really excellent uh, areas of getting to know you, getting to know me. I mean, we know each other very well, but sharing some of that with our listeners this afternoon. We have to share ourselves with others. (laughs) I mean, I I think where does somebody go who um, ages out of oversharing on Instagram? Community radio, get a radio show. That's how yeah. you do it. Yep. Next week, we'll be back. Yeast infections. <laughs> how do you deal with them? Now that cutting edge. Tune in. <laughs> get excited. Thanks, everyone. 